You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy, and we are your remarkable hosts. And welcome to episode six. This week we're going to be talking about a recent Reese Witherspoon book club pick. It's Outlawed by Anna North. But before we get to that, Kimmy, what else have you been reading? Recently, I have read Tweet Cute by Emma Lord. Loved it. It was really cute. <laughs> I don't think that worked as well as I wanted, but oh well. Um, I loved it. I also have read The Liar's Dictionary by Ellie Williams. That was interesting. If you like words, I would recommend <laughs> it. But I don't know. It The end got weird for me. I think we all like words. That's why we're here. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But do you like too many? Oh, you do because you read big books. And I cannot lie. You know the brothers can't deny. When a book walks in with an itty bitty <laughs> spine and a brown thing in your face, you get... How can it... Coffee! Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. What have you been reading? <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, I have not had a lot of time... I'm working on reading for my book club uh, at work, Mexican Gothic. Oh, because I yeah. won't read that with you because it sounds scary. No, you won't. So uh, luckily there's a lot of horror fans at work with me and they're going to read it too. Thank you, Katie's work. I appreciate your service. Yeah. We will have reviews for all of our books that we read on Instagram at the Lost Chill, as usual. This episode will contain spoilers. So without further ado, let's get this party started. <laughs> You're so good at that noise. <laughs> Thank you. Outlawed is a brand spanking new book. It came out this past January, the same month. It was one of Reese Witherspoon's book club picks, as Caitlin said previously. A little bit of redundancy. I'm sure you can infer that. <laughs> this book has been making its rounds all over Bookstagram. And it is an alt-history fictional western that relies heavily on feminist and LGBTQ themes. It is currently averaging, as of the recording today, a 3.7 rating on Goodreads. We were both very intrigued with this book because of how different the plot is. In the year of our Lord, 1894, I became an outlaw. This opening line was one of the most prolific and attention-grabbing lines to open a book. So Ada is our main character who is interested in midwifery, learning from her mom. The town where she lives is super focused on women procreating, and when they're unable to get pregnant, they're labeled barren witches and punished. Because Ada is accused of being a barren witch, she has no choice than to leave or be punished for things completely out of her control, like sicknesses going through town, miscarriages by other women, and pretty much anything else they could keep up on her so ada goes to a convent 
where she's copying books for a bookseller and she comes across a book written by a midwife that talks about barren women and not understanding why they're barren. So the doctor encourages barren women to contact her so that she can study them and try and help them. And so now Ada, of course, wants to go see this doctor. So the head nun tells her that she can't really help her get to that midwife, but there's a person called the kid. Now, Ada has heard of the kid before. Mm -hmm. The kid has a reputation throughout the whole county Mm -hmm. of being this like big, badass gang member who just wrecks havoc and is a force to be reckoned with. Like the sheriff seems intimidated by him. He talks like, oh, don't worry. You don't have to worry about this town. But he's a little intimidated. It's very obvious. And so he's the leader of this gang called the Hole in the Wall Gang. And for some reason, the nun is telling her to go see them to get to the midwife. So Ada has to go find them, and she manages to talk them into letting her stay. And she says she's useful because of her medical skills. So from here, lots of shenanigans take place. They, the gang teaches her how to shoot, ride a horse, and there's a few robberies along the way, including multiple characters being injured. So the main kicker, if you recall me mentioning... The gang has a reputation of the kid being six feet tall and a ruthless criminal with 12 men flanking his side all the time. When in fact, it's a group of all women. Mm -hmm. They all train really hard to look, act, and speak like a man to better pull off their cons. While not pulling off jobs, some did stay in men's clothes. In fact, when Ada first arrived at the hole in the wall, she had a hard time telling how many men and how many women were there. While pulling out of a heist, Ada meets a man named Lark while she's pretending to be a man herself. Lark is familiar with News, who's another member of the gang, and knows them well enough to know that they also deal in some shady shit. Ada can kind of tell that Lark is looking closely at her for some reason, and she's worried that she's going to be found out that she's a woman. But Lark eventually finds this out when he teams up with News and Ada, and him and Ada get caught trying to steal a wagon. Lark and Ada get thrown in jail together. And from there, they devise a plan where they're going to get married and then attack the guard when being taken out of their jail to go consummate their marriage. Because, of course, that kind of thing still matters. Mm -hmm. In jail. Yes. And I'm shocked that they could even get married in the first place. I mean, that priest really put them through the ringer to make sure they were serious. (laughs) So this is... A whole half hour. (laughs) Hey, that's all you need sometimes. Wait, are we talking about consummating or... Can't be... So this is when Lark comes clean and tells Ada his secret that he's a gelding who was maimed because he was in a relationship with another man. And all the while, mental health problems are taking hold of the kid who has been placed in solitary confinement. They decide to go ahead with the kid's larger plan of robbing a bank. And even though they get the money, things go horribly wrong and Lark ends up getting killed. Then the sheriff from Ada's hometown and a lot of his friends ambush the gang, and they all take off running for their lives. And just when you think Ada's going to die, the kid shows up in a better mental state just to save the day. And when things start to get back to normal, more and more barren women show up after reading a wanted sign about the witches, quote-unquote, in the Hole in the Wall gang. Ada decides she still wants to go to Pagosa Springs to try and find the doctor she'd initially set out to see. So she goes there with a couple other gang members, and she can't find the doctor, but she sets up in the doctor's old office and becomes a town midwife, and everybody lives happily ever after. 
I had a little bit of a hard time with that ending, but we'll get there. We, we will. will get there. We have a lot to talk about. There's so much. Let's just start at the beginning. With Ada's struggles with fertility and how quickly people start turning on her and accusing her of witchcraft. I think that this was really hard. And, you know, one of the things is, first of all, there's a real time limit. And to be honest, that time limit hasn't really gone away. No. But people don't start accusing you of being a witch after and you're allowed to say maybe that's not what you want. Mm -hmm. But man, is there such pressure to start knocking out babies even still as soon as you get married. Mm -hmm. Even, I don't think you even have to be married anymore for there to be pressure. (laughs) You don't have to be married to have children, Kimmy. What? This is news? That's brand not new news information. In the, not news in the game. Oh, oh different Just news. Different news. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just that checking. Makes sense. Okay. Okay. Well, we learn something new every day. Something. So I think that, you know, we think we've progressed so far. But when you look at it, we really haven't. Or the nuances of the pressures have mm-hmm. just slightly changed. And, you know, one thing that I thought of that kind of made me pretty sad was... In the time in this book, which I know it's alt fiction or Mm -hmm. all historical fiction, so not necessarily that realistic, but yes, you know, everyone blames you and the woman if Mm -hmm. you can't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of the four wins when Rose was struggling to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and she lost three daughters. She blamed herself. Rose lost her three daughters and she, you know, wonders at some point when she, her pregnancy is staying God finally forgave me for whatever I did. Mm -hmm. And that like broke my heart. Yeah. And I think, well, maybe it's easier for women not to necessarily tie it to God quite as tightly as Rose did. Mm -hmm. It's sad that I think that pressure still lingers and you can't help but wonder even more scientifically. Right. You know, why is it not happening? Right. Well, and it's like, even if society isn't pressuring you, it's already hard enough when you want to have a child and you can't, let alone to have society coming at you, be it relatives asking at a family get together when you're going to have a child with them not knowing that you've had three miscarriages that you're alone. Or in the book, for instance, somebody calling you a witch because you can't procreate when it's could possibly even be your husband's fault. Like it blows my mind throughout history. Of course, it would never be the fucking man. But I say throughout history, but in some places of the world, that still fucking happens. Yeah, it does. Like, in every episode, I feel like I bring up Eat, Pray, Love for some reason. Because <laughs> you do. But when she went to Bali, mm-hmm. she met, you know, the little medicine woman who helped. And they did the same fucking thing mm-hmm. that Ada's mom does. of Made being, her go with somebody else? Yeah. She was like, oh well, you, you're not getting pregnant. You need to try to sleep with another guy because mm-hmm. we can't tell your husband that it's possibly his fault. He will beat you or leave you or like you can't dare to do that. Yeah. And that's like recent. That's like in the 21st right. century. Right. And you know, I, we both use the word fault when mm-hmm. we talk about that. Um, that I think is a little bit too strong of a word. There's no blame for anybody being unable to get pregnant. So... um just throwing that out there, we both used that. And I, I realized that as we were talking that, you know, even just language. Yeah. You're, you're guilty. Isn't it of crazy? Just, yeah. And it breaks my heart. Yeah. And I, 
have a really hard time of that. And I have become more aware of it because I love babies. Mm -hmm. Uh Babies are all right. I, for some reason, love pregnancy and labor and delivery, whatever. And so, like, I'm super into that. So I ask because I like that. And I've realized more and more, Mm -hmm. you know, of asking about it is how hard that can be for some women. And that's why I was so excited to read this book, knowing how much you enjoy the whole midwife experience and knowledge. And she's basically a, a book of knowledge when it comes to labor and delivery and pregnancy and, and knows everything. So it was, <laughs> I'm serious. Like you're very knowledgeable on it. You're very educated on the subject. And for somebody who isn't a midwife and maybe even more educated than some, I don't know. But um, regardless, I was excited for for that alone to see how you would react to this book. Yeah, I didn't realize, like I read the synopsis too. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it would be quite so heavy into it and really like be so right up my alley. I loved that. Another thing about all this commotion surrounding pregnancy and fertility issues within the community is soon they aren't only blaming Ada. They're now blaming her mom, who's a very respected midwife, and some start transferring their care to a male doctor in town who isn't as knowledgeable when it comes to labor and delivery. He was just, I think he was just like a general practicing doctor. He was, and that is so spot on with history. So I, as you said, know a ton and have studied the history and so much between midwifery and OBGYNs. And like, there is a huge gap mm-hmm. between this wealth of knowledge. And they kind of both know different things, but they're different. The main difference in the like technical medical world is that an OBGYN can perform surgery mm-hmm. while a midwife can't, from my understanding. And I could be wrong, but... What happened was that male doctors were learning more and more. And as they're developing this medical knowledge, they think they can do a lot of things better. I genuinely don't think they all necessarily had their hearts in the right place. And it might not have even been completely up to them. But, you know, women who are scared of having issues or something go wrong in pregnancy. So people But these women, like, actually thought that Ada was responsible for any issues that were going on in their town. Right. So that psychological mindfuck in itself, like you're a young, the women were obviously younger during those times than our average median pregnant woman today. Like they were in their late teens, some mid teens. So they were young, impressionable girls who truly thought that this was a thing pushing them to those male doctors and and the absolutely the general practicing yes. doctors and especially in that context of the book you can see that kind of fear but even without it like just kind of imagine pain is so mental and when all you hear is these stories of pain and then you have two options you know mm-hmm. midwife or this magical doctor who can make it all go away you know what are you going to pick mm-hmm. and now it's a lot different where they have things called walking epidurals and things to block the pain but are still manageable. One of the midwives who helped me with my last pregnancy, she was born via twilight birth. Do you know what, what is that, that is? No. That's when you're completely knocked out and unconscious. You go in the hospital. They put you into a medically induced coma, basically. You wake up with a baby in your arms. How did they get the baby out? Vaginally or C-section? I think it varies. 
but it was a literal thing. That was a thing? That was so recent that a midwife who I worked with in the past year was born that way. That's fucking terrible. It was a very common thing. Like, I like 60s that. and I've 70s. I've never even yeah. heard of that. That's and terrifying. So, I mean, to be honest, like what we have now, we have more and more options because that was a trauma in itself mm-hmm. to not even go through that experience. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said about, you know, going through the birth. And there's something to be said that we now have the options to make that healthier and more manageable. And so I think it's two sides of a very far spectrum. And I think the closer we get to blending them together, the better. But it is just so far reached of like, oh, technology and science and pain-free promises that they have missed the mark. And one of the main things that really gets me is like the mortality rate in America specifically has not gone down in decades. C-section rates and stuff, those are starting to go down because more and more women are wanting natural. Mm -hmm. And why would you even do that if the whole medical and man was perfect and great? Mm -hmm. And it's not. And there's, I've read books about this too, of just how women were just swept out in a way that they couldn't go to the same medical school as the men. And so just whole huge bodies of knowledge were gone from this. It's incredible what they know and what is evidence-based and how what is evidence-based doesn't always match the doctors and what they're doing in labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. So it's still growing and changing so much. And I love that. Well, I mean, that even happened with me 14 years ago because I had a C-section with my oldest and I didn't get to meet her until she was a couple of hours old because I had to go into recovery. There was no skin to skin, at least at the hospital that I was at immediately after a C-section. So, I mean, even in the past 14 years, right, we've come a long way. Even in the past five years from you know, going through my own, my own last pregnancy to watching you go through your last two pregnancies. I've, it's completely different experience. It's kind of crazy how that works. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a big gap too. And I was amazed at the difference Mm -hmm. between them, but even from, so I have a big gap and then I have a little gap between Mm -hmm. my children. I took it upon myself with my last pregnancy to learn a ton. Yeah, you did. And so with my middle child, I had like a 30 some odd hour labor and it just wasn't going anywhere they have a term for this failure to progress and in hospitals their plan for that is basically you just figure it out on the on your own progress or don't progress and if you don't progress within our timelines welcome interventions and we will do all these things pitocin and what have you to try to get you to go faster and what blew my mind is that i studied a lot Mm-hmm. with my next pregnancy and I learned a lot and so much about positioning of the baby like all you ever hear about with OBGYNs unless you're a good one and I love you <laughs> but in my experience all you hear about is like head down great that's all we care about literally any way they can face front back left right between front and left between front and right like all those make a difference for how smooth and easily the delivery goes. And there is all these things that you can optimally do to get your baby in the best position throughout your entire pregnancy. And you can find the stuff if you search it on your own. Mm-hmm. Some good mid- midwives know it, but I truly don't believe it was a matter of luck and chance. I know sometimes it can be. I know things vary greatly, but I don't think there was any real difference of luck or chance between my 30 some odd hour labor and delivery mm-hmm. and my less than 12 hour labor and delivery. I think it was preparation and me actually being in 
intentional, active participant in what was going on to my body. Yeah. And, you know, we joke because with Kimmy's youngest, we laugh because she was basically talking to us and then all of a sudden gone for a few hours. Like she just went to the store real quick for a loaf of bread. And then she's like, here's the baby. (laughs) And we're like, oh, where did that thing come from? Yep. (laughs) And it was just completely different than with her second born because it was a long time before we got to see the baby, but it was completely different. And I worked hard to make that happen. You did. You did. I, I definitely saw it. And so that, that is part of why I'm so interested in it. And I think, you know, we have the interest in what happens to us. And Ada was barren and she didn't want to find out why she was barren to try to fix it so she could have babies. She wanted to find out why she was barren to help other women mm-hmm. and help prevent them from getting outcast right. and that kind of thing. And that's kind of why I care so much. I don't like hearing all these times about women suffering or going through such traumatic births of not mm-hmm. seeing their baby for hours when it does not have to be that way. No, no, and I know it sometimes it does absolutely yes, have to sure. be that way. I get that, but I think it's much more preventable than is what happens. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. But so obviously this book is very focused on women's issues. And while Kimmy is very passionate about the labor and delivery, midwifery, midwifery, can't say that word, um, side of things, I am very passionate about another side of women's health, and that's the postpartum depression aspect, which um, I suffered greatly from postpartum with my youngest. There is no stigma behind it. And if I, I hope that if you are struggling with postpartum and you are listening to this, that you go and find help. Do not try and get through it on your own. Um, it just sucks you in, and it is a terribly dark place, especially with your your beautiful new child and your family and or whoever's helping you through this time. Um, so I encourage you to, to seek treatment if, if you're struggling for that. I will get off my soapbox real quick, but... No, it's fine because... People need to know how normal that is. It is normal. You, when it's happening to you and people don't talk about it, it's absolutely terrifying to like wonder what's wrong with me. Like, is this just Mm -hmm. me? And it's a very common thing. Mm -hmm. And so much that no one talks about, like you think even it can just be depression and being sad when I like fell apart in between my last two pregnancies and those were close together because my friend Kara, her again, <laughs> from Taking Care of Babies, she had a whole blog post about the scary, intrusive thoughts you can have. Yeah. When out of the blue, you're just like, this thing could possibly go wrong with my baby, and I'm so anxious and scared about it. Like, it's kind of consuming me. Right. And no one tells you that that can happen. And the other thing, too, is it doesn't always happen with your firstborn. It's not just solely those intrusive thoughts show up when it's your firstborn child. No, that shit shows up when it's your second, third, I'm assuming 20th. Any or all. Yeah. You can't predict it. You can't. You cannot. And it's definitely not linear. I feel like you can even be fine for months. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when it gets harder because you're like, oh, I mean, I mean, that was five or six months ago. Mine hit it six months. Right. And so you're like, oh, clearly, surely this is far enough away that it Mm -hmm. can't be related, but it is. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, it takes a year for your body to go back to normal. Am I correct on that? 
year. I don't so. know. I got pregnant again. Okay, that's right. And we're still <laughs> in that year time frame <laughs> from the last yes, one. Yes, they're fresh, um, fresh, it, fresh, fresh. Uh, but I mean, I think it takes about a year for your body to go back to normal, and I don't think that even includes hormones. So, just reiterating, if you are feeling with the baby blues, postpartum, the blade. The baby <laughs> blues, <laughs> or the baby rages. The baby rages. Baby that, that rages can be a thing. is a thing. Some people are shocked to find out how angry they are after yeah. having kids at yeah. everything. So we talk about postpartum depression in this little tangent because Ada's mom. We see her going through postpartum depression after one of her pregnancies uh, with Ada's little sister. Mm-hmm. What? I was really hoping to see, although I I loved that the author put that in there, that she was going through such a dark time and she showed how the family, mainly Ada, had to pick up the slack for her mom being down for the count and dealing with all of that. I wanted to see a little bit more of how Ada was feeling during all of that. That is a heavy, heavy thing for such a young girl to deal with. To have to basically be a mom and then also have to be a parent to your parent at such a young age because she's so incapable of taking care of herself or her children at that point. So I had hoped that the author had touched a little bit more on how that was affecting Ada, but it seemed to get a little bit repetitive with just when mom was mama or whatever she called her was in a dark place, when she was in a dark place, when she was in a dark place and it never was, this is how I felt when this was happening. I think you either don't want to face that or you aren't able to if you are going through that and seeing that. I will say it's probably a blessing for Ada that she had her younger siblings to take care of and get her mind off of it mm-hmm. because that's just something productive to do with her time. I don't know. It, it just felt like it was building up to her opening up a little bit more about that and it never Some happened. people aren't about feelings all the time, Caitlin. Katie, Uh, some people just maybe want to be happy and go uh, about their work and do stuff all the time so they don't have to think about the sad things. Have you ever considered that? I think you're confused. I think you're confused. Because that's me. Because you're asking this. I am, but... It's like we see each other. Look at the way books unify us. (laughs) Oh, man. So So that was an Easter egg to our Enneagrams, as we touched on in our intro episode. (laughs) Yes. Typically, I am the four who's all about feelings. And I am not. (laughs) She is the seven. Katie's the seven who is all about getting things, like just filling up her time constantly and being happy. I like to be happy and travel. What is so wrong about that? Literally nothing. That sounds awesome. I know. That's why I like being a seven and not feeling things because feelings hurt sometimes. Catch flights, not feelings. (laughs) JK, we can't. Fuck you, COVID. We don't need sound effects. I just will do them for us. Thank you for your service. <laughs> um. So, yeah. There's this song by Taylor Swift. Shocking. Called I Did Something Bad. Mm-hmm. In a hilarious twist of tying everything together in the world, the bridge is they're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. But if you listen to that song... There's a, like, it repeats going, and it is, it's 
Taylor Swift dreamt that noise. <laughs> then she played it for his producer, recorded it, and they sped it up a little bit. And that is real news. So you just reminded me of my girl Tay Tay. That's real. That is a real fucking story. Why are you laughing? That happened. Was this planned that you were going to no. talk about this? No, it wasn't. Because this was not on the script. No. And I was not expecting you to do that. that That's a real thing. It just came to me when you made that noise. It's because there was a little hint of a Dracula accent. <laughs> I think that's why it was so I funny. did something bad. But it feels so good. <laughs> Oh, so much for being perfect tonight. Oh, shit. Okay. So, Taylor Swift, Ooh. pregnancy, labor and delivery. We got through all that. All right. There is so much more to this book than that. And literally no Taylor Swift. That was just me. There is literally so much more to this book than that. <laughs> S'more? <laughs> Do you think they had s'mores at the Hole in the Wall gang? Well, I would hope so. Otherwise, why would you even go? I don't know. It definitely wasn't for the men. I don't know. So what were you thinking when Ada walked up and like she couldn't even tell how many people there were, who were guys, who were gals? I was still thinking that the kid was a boy, a man, a burly man. (laughs) And I was very confused when I realized that nobody was. So it took me a second yeah, to sort of realize what was going on. I had to infer, if you will. Yeah, I think she did a really great way of leading up to that. And I think it was interesting because even then from the first night, not doing any con jobs or heists or anything, mm-hmm. they were all dressed differently. So she was a little confused and having to do double takes like, wait, that could be a man or a woman. I'm not quite sure. And... I think it took her a little longer just because some they were dressed how they wanted to be dressed. There was so much that I was expecting. I was expecting there to be like some sort of romance, but it really wasn't in plain sight between some of the ladies in the Hole in the Wall gang. Um, although there was Elsie and Cassie. Ooh, Cassie, yeah. They were together in a relationship. I was expecting a little bit more. I don't know why. I was expecting um, a lot more too. I don't think it would have added to the story any but it was just some something i was expecting for some unknown reason i also was not expecting lark to basically fall in love with ada even after he said that he was gay and he had a lot of damage to his (laughs) no-nos you're clearly catholic i call those yes yeses Please leave that in. (laughs) Or don't leave that in. That was really fucking funny. But basically had his penis cut off, essentially, because of his love tryst with a a man who was no longer sleeping with his wife and no longer procreating. So now we've gone full fucking circle, which I thought was great. So I was surprised about that. I also wonder slash don't I don't know it was interesting I think I also expected more relationships between Mm -hmm. the all female hole in the wall gang but I don't genuinely know that they were all lesbians but they touch they touch on that with Ada there's like a direct line 
where she thinks about this of like, I had never thought about not being with a man just because the idea and opportunity and ever presented itself. Right. Like it never even crossed my mind. Didn't even know that was an option. Yeah. Whereas in today's society, you can be whoever you want to be. And, and those things cross your mind, I think, even at a younger age. And it's just a different perspective being in that day and time and it not being socially acceptable. Absolutely. And I think with them, if they did have relationships, sometimes it could just be loneliness yeah. and wanting that comfort of a person. Yeah. It's hard to completely say what they were. Yeah. Or even just finally having that idea presented to them with no worry of retribution Mm -hmm. and then discovering they did like it. It's hard to say just because society was so different then because before they, before they joined the gang, they didn't have the option really to even consider anything other than heterosexuality. Mm -hmm. But then after that, they didn't have much option to choose heterosexuality. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So in reality, their choice was made for them in both circumstances. Right. And we're seeing a lot more of this in modern day fiction where, I mean, even one of the previous books that we read, um, The Secrets We Kept, you know, this is coming more to the forefront in authors' voices and what they want to share that they want people to know that this is still a new thing to be so open about being gay and being, you know, in this case, non-binary with the kid. There was no pronoun ever used for gender when referencing the kid, which I thought was interesting. I also commend the author for that because that's really hard to write, like just as a, as a flow. So to never let that slip, so to speak, I don't I think thought, I ever even noticed that. No. She, the kid was always referred to as the kid. The kid was interesting because so many of the women were there for being barren. Mm-hmm. But do you recall her story? She, I don't know exactly if it was postpartum depression. Oh, yes. But yes, her yes. dad also had huge problems mm-hmm. with bipolar. But basically, she had a kid. Mm-hmm. And she had some sort of mental illness set off after she gave birth and they took her child away from her. But then they told her that the only cure was to have more kids, but but that they would all be taken away from her Mm -hmm. because clearly she was unfit to be a mother. Right. Which is fucked up beyond fucking belief. I was absolutely disgusted with that because that shit probably happened. It did. I'm sure. And that's why it was just so flabbergasted that somebody would say oh in order to cure your depression or postpartum or i think she was schizophrenic personally um and that it was hereditary and not necessarily based on anything postpartum yeah and it sounded it was like auditory hallucinations from what i gathered from there and if you can't tell i have a degree in psychology i don't use it but i've learned some things isn't it also funny how her dad had that affliction and he was fine. His mom just hit it. And then he went back to life when he was okay. No one would ever blame the man or take his kids away. Mm-mm. And then but she woman, has the exact same damn thing, but have more babies. That'll and fix you're it. unfit to be a mother. Yeah. So, and then with her, she, she, I don't know where she 
got the ideas, but she wanted to run away. Oh, I know what it is. It was the same thing as Addie LaRue, where she was on her own and realized that being on your own is easier as a man than a woman. Yeah, it is. And so she... During those times. I don't think she had a choice. Once again, I don't think she would have necessarily... If if the ideas were presented of you will be treated equally and exactly the same no matter what you choose, so pick man or woman, I think it was bad things will happen to you if you're wandering alone as a woman. Mm-hmm. So she picked to be a man mm-hmm. for self-preservation. Yeah. And... Maybe she liked how that felt. Maybe she liked how it went, but that's what she did when she Mm -hmm. first started and was off. And eventually she slowly gathered other outcast women, starting with Cassie. And they lived for a long time as husband and wife even. Right. Which I was just like absolutely amazed by that because the kid had adapted her mannerisms so well to portraying herself as a male that these people had no idea until... She got sick, passed out. They took her clothes off and they saw they, they saw her, her breasts. And then they were basically banned from town because you can't do that in those times. But, you know, the more we sit here and talk about it, the more and more I am starting to like this book more, I think. <laughs> because the author did an amazing job at bringing to light all of these issues that were really fucked up then, but we're still kind of plagued with some of them in some degree. I agree. And so she did a great job at bringing these issues to light in an entertaining way. It completely broke my heart every single time someone was exiled from their home and cast out by their family and friends. And we heard so many of those stories in the book for infertility, for biracial families, for homosexuality, and with Lark he wasn't just exiled, he was mutilated. And then he became suicidal after that. The treatment that he got was so horribly devastating, you know, to have that sort of physical, permanent torture done to your body. That every time you look down, you see it and you're reminded of that pain. It's absolutely terrible. It broke my heart. Like, it's kind of like, of course he was suicidal. He had nothing about his former identity he had lost his love lost his town lost he's lost everything Mm -hmm. and so he was for sure suicidal and what saved him was that he worked with a vet and basically he knew this vet did not like him and allowed him to work there which is fine but then one day he noticed the vet examine a horse that had found her and so this was going to permanently disable the horse The rancher who owned the horse wanted to just put the horse down, not deal with it. It necessarily wouldn't even be in misery. Mm -hmm. He just didn't want to deal with having something, quote unquote, not perfect. Mm -hmm. The vet couldn't deal with that and said that he would take the horse instead of putting it down. And so Lark was watching this vet. You know, first he nursed the horse back to life Mm -hmm. and then... The horse was a little bit lame, couldn't walk perfectly, and just kept it on the ranch. Lark asked him why he did that, and the vet looked at him like he was crazy and replied, she's a living thing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he paid attention to how he treated the animals, from the most beautiful prize stallion to the scrawniest chicken, and he thought each and every one was worthy of his utmost care and attention. And watching that, And knowing that the vet didn't like him 
He knew that if he ever tried to make a suicide attempt again, that even not liking him, the vet would feel his life was of value Mm -hmm. and try to save him. And that was my favorite part of the whole book. I liked a lot of this book, but I think that was my favorite part. Even if you don't like someone, even if you don't agree with someone, even if there's nothing appearing of value and they're scrawny and maimed and broken, Mm -hmm. they're still worth living and saving. In addition to that, they're still worth treating with respect. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved that. I think it's a great message because sometimes in, I think especially in this day and age where we're so fueled by likes and shares and views and everything that we sometimes lose sight of, we are all living creatures and the way that you treat somebody it fucking matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it fucking matters. You can just say that. I really think that how you treat people really fucking matters. I agree. And that was something that came in so many different ways in this book. From Eula. Eula was a character in the beginning. Here's another name that we say differently. You say Ola. 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 Eula? Gola Gola Island. <laughs> I don't know. What do you, you say Eula? Yeah. Ola sounds, I don't like how that makes Ola. my, I don't like how that makes my tongue go. Ola. 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 <laughs> Eula. So we're going to put up another oh. fucking poll. What is it with name? I don't know. It's up for interpretation, I guess. Hermione? Oh, man. Hermione is how you say it, though. No, I know. But I was just reminiscing to when we were talking about that on the episode about Addie LaRue. And then you go, Hermione? She's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. And I fucking lost it. It was hilarious. (laughs) It was so fucking funny. So what I'm saying is go listen to Addie LaRue for a really fucking funny line from Kimmy there. Oh, that was the best. I love that book. So, Ola... Eula. Eula? Loosh? Are you saying horns or are you just making noises? Well, it looks like you're going to vomit now. It looks like you're a cat retching in the middle of the night. Stop making that shape with your mouth. Ola, Ola. I can't do this. Eula? You can say her name. (laughs) Say my name. Say my name. Not you, Ula. Not you. Ula. 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 I don't think anyone wants to hear us screaming Ola and Eula back and forth. You have to keep all of that, but that's fucking gold, man. So Ada has this friend from high school, from her school days, where... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's funny. Eula. Eula funny. (laughs) Eula. (laughs) So basically, Ada is one of the first of her friends from high school to get married and then suffers with infertility Mm -hmm. for a year on 
After that point, after it's been a year, one of her high school friends also gets married and starts trying for a baby. And then all these, there's lots, go read the book. It happens. (laughs) But basically, we're not reading it to you. (laughs) Her high school friend miscarries and then blames Ada. That's when the, like, the witch hunt gets real and she has to leave. And that was just... Which is bullshit. You don't do that to a friend, man. Okay, but what if your option is you can go live down by the river with the hobos or you can stay is married. Is that a Four Winds reference? No, because there was that other lady who, in the this book, I don't remember her name, cause, but she lived down by the river, but she didn't bother anyone, so they let her stay. Oh, yeah. It's all his friends. So your option is you can go be homeless. <laughs> Sorry. What would you do genuinely? About? If you don't even know how they would treat Shit. you. We're going to play this game? If we're both infertile. Okay. Infertile You models. have to save yourself. Because what other option is there? Because honestly. Why can't we just go run away together? And be lesbians? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I, don't, okay. I wasn't going that route, but now things are very awkward here. And Okay. Because it's but kind of why like. Why can't you just go run off together? Because that's still losing everything. Yes, and you would both have to agree to that. You right. might have to agree and say yes. It's either lose everything together, lose everything one-on-one, or lose everything together in a bad way. You could try to run away together. You could both get stoned together and hanged together. Or you could save your skin, have the life you want with the husband you want and the babies you want, hopefully one day, and blame it on someone else. So, will you run away with me? You don't need to save me, but would you run away with me? Mm. My baby's fit like a daydream. <laughs> Sorry. Just threw that right over home plate for you. Taylor Swift forever. <laughs> forever. Would you stay? It's hard to know. With the first child and the other one. Her husband was kind of a dick, though. Fuck that guy. Imagine the pressures, though, and how hard it is to be by yourself as a woman in that time. Sure. You recall, I can't even walk alone. You have to dress up as a man to survive. Yeah. So there's that aspect. I I think it would be easier to run away today in today's day and age for sure. Sure. (laughs) But I'm talking about back then. Right. Back then? Yeah. I don't think I'd be willing to run away. No? I don't know. If I was forced, it's one thing. But if my options were to stay in my life of comfort for a little longer and have that chance. But you also, you touched on it earlier. You did this. You did this. You said they really believed it. Yeah, they did. That's true. So there's that. That is a fair point. It's probably not even that she's thinking like, she probably does not have the foresight to to think, or not even the foresight. She probably doesn't have the understanding of, oh, surely nothing's wrong with Ada and this is happenstance. It's probably like, oh my God, is this happening to me? Because I was such close friends with her. That is a really good point. And so she probably feels betrayed, honestly, because she believes it. Damn, my own words are coming back to me. Yeah. The only person who really is aware is Ada's mom. All right, so I'm going to go find another person to run away with me then. In this story, in this hypothetical situation where we are both barren and fertile, unable to make a baby right at this very second when we're expected to, Maybe we aren't barren, but because there's no baby yet, that's what I'm saying. Not the me here right now. Um, I obviously have two kids. 
(laughs) So, and it's 2021. So there's definitely an underlying tone of religion as well. And it's talked about throughout the book, but I didn't really think it was on the forefront of the issues in this book. I enjoyed how it was talked about in this book because what comes to my mind, maybe you felt it more at different times, but what comes to my mind is when she was sent to the convent and was with the nuns. That's pretty in your face, religion to be with nuns. But she's learning why they're all there. And even, you know, the little head nun, the head sister, if you will. I mean, she has her own reasons and they're not all perfect and they're not all there to be devout followers of God. Something just hit me. That Are you okay? <laughs> just fell right out of the sky. That nun was equivalent to Lark's vet because that nun didn't necessarily like her. She wasn't very fond of her in their actions together. She helped her though. And she guided her and, and kept her safe and got her to where she felt that she needed to be in a safe way. And so those two people in this story are definitely one and the same, showing you that it's okay to not like somebody, but you still got to treat them with respect and help them if you yeah. can. If, if they need help, then help them. And that's exactly what both of those sort of guiding lights for both Lark and for Ada did. So that just fell out of the sky and hit me. Absolutely. And I love that. And overall, I loved the whole nun scene and the understanding of the nun's stories. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't say any of them were necessarily there willingly or because they wanted to be. And that makes you have a little more sympathy. Absolutely. I feel like. This happened in another book I reference every episode, it feels like, (laughs) The Other Bowling Girl. So that was another woman who felt a ton of pressure to get pregnant and have healthy babies. Mm -hmm. Granted, it was maybe a smidge more pressure to try to give birth to the next king of England. I don't know. But because she was so desperate, Mm -hmm. she actually did dabble in witchcraft and try all these things and incest and anything to get pregnant because that's how heavy the weight to get pregnant was for her. Mm-hmm. I don't like her. I think she's a bad person. In this, <laughs> let book, the record show. <laughs> let the record show. But I can understand that pressure, sure. especially after reading this, of doing anything. Yeah. And so eventually she was tried and hanged for witchcraft, which she did. But what they were hoping for the whole time was for her to get sent. To the convent and to be mm-hmm. a nun instead. And to tie it all together even further, that also reminds me of how nuns take in all sorts of people they don't like. One of the stereotypes they take in the most that they really don't like is on wed teen mothers. Mm-hmm. And so even seeing it in this aspect in multiple stories with Anne Bolin and with Ada and seeing how infer- infertility is enough to get them accused of witchcraft and sent to the convent and then having to take in all these, you know, super fertile onwed mothers who get pregnant the very first time they have sex. Mm-hmm. I can see why they'd be mad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it right. But right. again, that takes us back one more time to how we treat people we don't like matters. It does. It does. And I think all of those are excellent points and... Just the moral of this story is just fucking treat people 
with kindness and respect. Nobody has to agree. In, nope. in fact, that makes it better because that means that you're thinking for yourself and not just agreeing with somebody else's opinion. But you have to be respectful of that other person's opinion because they are entitled to that opinion. And so I think overall we can sum it up with how things ended with Ada and Kid. And that Ada noticed the kid was facing such mental illness and she realized how hard it was for her all the time. And she set up her own midwifery practice and was helping barren women. But kind of on the side, because she's a good friend and community member, she was helping the kid. And she said that all she knew was visiting the kid's bedside seemed to speed healing up. And so she made sure that someone was with her every moment, reading or talking or simply looking out the window while she slept. And I think that just goes to show that when we're suffering, we need community all the more. Absolutely. And that is shown time and time again in this book. So if you're listening and you feel alone, you can reach out to us. Mm-hmm. We'll be here. Mm-hmm. Reach out to people you love. A lot of times it is like a wall between two people who want the same thing, but neither will do it. Mm-hmm. So don't be scared to be that one. No. Don't be scared to reach out and say, I need help. I want to hang out. You don't have to do much. Sit there and stare out the window together. I am all about breaking down those stigmas. And for somebody who hates talking about feelings, I love making those things not uncomfortable for some reason. I don't like there to be a stigma behind mental health. I don't like there to be a stigma behind anything that has to do with depression, uh, thoughts of suicide, any sort of mental health issue, because there is always a regret if that person actually does take it further that I could have done more. I could have done more Then let's do more right now. Let's be there for these people in your lives now and don't look back when it's too late. Absolutely. Again, off my soapbox. <laughs> I got lots of soapboxes in this episode. <laughs> no, and I love it. And I, I mean, I'll even say for personal from personal experience if you're going through these things it's all a lot harder if you force yourself to go through it yourself and i will say that sometimes you do that mm-hmm. i will say some sure. of the times i felt loneliness i probably had some of the most friends mm-hmm. but i refuse to see that so just keep being there keep showing up keep being there for each other and if you don't like each other I don't care. Treat each other with kindness. Seriously. You have to treat everyone with respect and the attention they deserve because they are human beings. It truly doesn't matter if you like them or not. You don't have to like sit by everyone's bedside while they go through the hard stuff. Sure. But when you pass them on the street, you better be nice to them. But we're not wanting to talk about politics on this show. That being said, I will say a teeny tiny little blurb about Kimmy and I have very different views on politics. I'm right and she's wrong. <laughs> we can still be friends, the bestest of friends, and be respectful of each other because that is what you do. You don't have to share the same opinions. Are you sure we don't have to cut each other off? No. Are you sure? Yeah. But you think differently than me. Uh, that's okay. I will only be people who think exactly like me because I'm a robot who likes conformity and wants all the same. That sounds really boring. (laughs) But 
but seriously, like just be nice to each other. That's all. For real. So in conclusion, be nice to people you love. Yep. Be yep. nice to people you don't love. Yep. Yep. If they are alive, treat them with decency, respect, and kindness. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I enjoyed how this book faced some really hard topics unflinchingly and really showed how to face anything. We need each other. Do you want to tell me just exactly how much you enjoyed it? You mean like a rating? Holy shit! You can infer like a motherfucker. Hell yeah! It's rating time! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so as you might know, we have a TLC rating system for every book that we read. One through five stars. Five is all-time favorite book. Four, great. I want to find more books by this author. Three, that was a solid book. It was very good. Two, not very good. Could have lived without reading it. And one, why the fuck did I waste my time on this rubbish? Kimmy! Um, that was really loud, sorry. Kimmy. <laughs> now say it without laughing. Kimmy. I would give that a three. I did really enjoy it. I would recommend it to others. And it was good. I've changed my rating in this hour and a half. I don't know how long. It's been five hours. hours. (laughs) Three hours later. SpongeBob reference. I got it. Okay. I didn't feel like I did the voice very well. Anyway, I digress again. (laughs) Lots of tangents this episode. I apologize. Um, Initially... I did give this a two on Goodreads. Wow. I did. Wow. I did. But after having this amazing discussion, I am going to change this to a three. This is a solid book. It made us think, which I thoroughly enjoy. It gave for some excellent conversation. And there are some underlying themes and and uh points uh that i didn't really pick up maybe on my own until we started talking about it and then i'm like oh shit yeah yeah that's right or when that thing fell out of the sky and hit me on the head and i realized that the nun was the same as the vet and it's just yeah we hope that you enjoyed hearing our thoughts on outlawed we want to hear your thoughts too please reach out to us on social media at The Lost Chill on Instagram and Facebook. While you're there, tell us your thoughts on this book. Give us a follow so you can always know what's on the horizon. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't have to worry about missing an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning just in time to have with your coffee. Next week, we will be discussing the Thursday Murder Club. I can't wait. By Richard Osman. And the following week, we will discuss the 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. We also have our full schedule for the month of March listed on Facebook and Instagram. We're so thankful to everyone who has tuned into our show, and we can't wait to hear your thoughts about this book. See you next time. Bye. Bye.